Hello. Hey, every, I, I'm just like talk about characters. Here, we, here's one here. Hey, oh, Arrow. Arrow. <laughs> Love a character. Is that? That looks like meatloaf there. It's, you know, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. And then when you sit down and, and eat pizza with me, then I hear that I'm Patrick Swayze. And I go, oh, man, either way, <laughs> what what happened to me? Why didn't I get either one of those roles? <laughs> hey, you got a double today, Arrow. So uh, um, you're good till oh. uh, till uh, actually we have a break after you. So we're good until we're good until 10. So take as much time as you want. I'm going it. to. I'm taking you to 1 o'clock. Is that okay, Spencer? <laughs> Let's go, man. Let's do it. Dude, I got to tell you something. A lot of people like these crime yeah. uh, novels and stuff like that, but I love what you're writing about. This is something that has always been a part of my life because there are so many things that I step into that I always question. Is is this a cult? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what I thought when I went, um, but they, they weren't like, you know... Um, you know, in in black robes and chanting, and there was no animal sacrifice. So I figured, oh, it's okay. Yeah, you know? what, I mean, did, does this mean that we have to redefine what a cult is? Because you're right. Some, it, you know, so many of these cults are spiritual. They're they're part of a church and things like that. Does it prove that money is a religion here? Yeah, and to some degree, it does. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I think, um, uh, you know, we found community, mm -hmm. we found support and friendships. And certainly, I don't, I don't think the, the, the members worship money so much as certainly the leaders did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then the members worshipped uh, education, uh, the, the security of knowing that there's a possibility of growing with me, with my, with my professionalism? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think it was a, a full, uh, you know, lifestyle uh, belief in, you know, self-improvement. So, yeah, of course it includes you know, your business, but also, you know, your love life, uh, family life. And, you know, the big component was certainly a spiritual uh, life and uh, not necessarily religion in any specific religion, but, you know, they really encourage people to uh, believe in them. I, I totally, I totally get that because I on iHeartRadio I have a I have a, a, a podcast that's based on creativity being the addiction and I and, and and I have to explain that creativity isn't art on a canvas. Creativity is in every walk of life, and and there are people that are always constantly pounding on your head and heart. Do it this way. Do it this way. Do it this way. And so I've always been known as the guy that's going to look at you and say, "I'm not drinking your Jesus juice." <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, um, I. I you know, look, I was very suspicious mm -hmm. about this. Um, and I really wasn't looking, I'm a lawyer, you know, and, and most of the people in this group, they were, you know, like professionals and, and it's highly educated, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, it could have been you. I mean, really, seriously, any, anybody uh, uh, could have been uh, pulled into this thing. And I wasn't looking for anything. I really wasn't. Mm. But um, I fa was facing a crisis in my life. And it was a, rough patch you know and if they catch it a rough patch and they show a little love and um you could be talked into all kinds of things you know which um, which is human nature is it not sure i mean look i mean i'm a lawyer i do cases where people are conned all the time mm -hmm. and uh look at people who got ripped off by madoff or any number of scams that go on every single day do you see yourself as being what, what Native Americans call the silent watcher or the silent wolf? In other words, you stand back in the brush and you watch what's going on, you observe, and then you take your step. 
Wow. That's a really tough one. I would say that I am cautious yes. uh, in business mm -hmm. and when it comes to, uh, you know, people around me and being protective. But with myself, I can be adventurous and um, willing to try different things, including physical things like, you know, I, I swim, I'm a, you know, I became a, after I left the cult, I got out, I became an open water swimmer. I swam around Manhattan. I swim in sub freezing waters. Uh, and, uh, you know, every time you go out, it's a risk. So, you know, I guess I'm both. Was that because you're filling the void? And, and, and the reason why I bring that up is because yeah. I've been so Definitely. addicted to radio that, that yeah. I don't want to be the used to be. I have to fill every single day on that Google calendar. I think that's great. I get it. I, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, it's a healthy addiction, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, it gives you meaning. It's a great thing. I mean, uh, you know, there's worse things to be addicted to, um, <laughs> for sure. So now let's let's define school. I mean, it, to, to the average listener, they're not going to understand this, but they need to really dig deep into your book, Manhattan Cult Story, because you explain school as that cult. How, what what was the signal that said, uh oh? Yeah, well, I should say that I was suspicious at first, but I really did trust the guy who brought me, mm -hmm. who uh, I thought was a great guy. And. Um, I liked the people who were there and everything was going fine for, you know, many months. Um, and they were very helpful to uh, me in my life, but then all of a sudden they wanted us to recruit other people mm. and Hmm. Okay, fine. We'll bring in other people, but they described the process and it seemed really decept deceptive. Like they were kind of tricking people into coming to something um, just by establishing uh, relationships and friendships with people. And uh, they asked us to do this basically around the clock for months. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. That's... Yeah. yeah, that's a red flag, right? <laughs> Total. Total. But they didn't ask us on day one. Hmm. You know, it was later when we were in it. And they were careful. They didn't they pushed us to the limit. Uh, but to me, I guess I, you know, I, it wasn't my limit, but it was close. Yeah. One of, one of the things that, that catches my attention and caught my attention very quickly was you were facing a life that was breaking down. Self-esteem was at an all time low. Um, I I've been there and my, my wife did everything humanly possible to get me into some sort of religious group and things like that. And it was the fear of being that weak and going to a cult. And so were you in that So when, when you're breaking down, was this before or when you learned that you were in the wrong place? Uh, well, before the group, I was, you know, I was basically doing okay. It's just a busy young guy. And, you know, I really wasn't looking for anything, but you know, it's, it's great to have more friends. And yeah. I had a lot of friends, but this was a special kind of community where people were very helpful. And I thought it would build my self-esteem, but it took it away. Mm. And once I really found out, you know, once I was losing it, you know, I got professional help. Um, uh, something I'd never done. I'd never gotten uh, therapy or mental health 
professional in my life, and that made a big difference. And isn't it odd that once once you do seek that professional help, it's like it's like you're not turning off the rest of the world, but you just have a better understanding of yourself, and now you've got to educate those around you of I'm growing, I I'm going to be moving through some storms, but I need you to be with me as well. That's what it is, and and you know, look, there could be uh, you could it could be religion mm-hmm. for you. Um, uh, someplace, someplace you trust and that's safe. And, um, most of course are, you know, 99% are, um, uh, you know, um, although this was a somewhat religious cult to some degree. So, uh, that's what I'm clear. I just want to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing source of strength, you know, religion or a therapist or a really good friend or, um, it could be like one person, you know, that is there for you. So how how do you grow in trust and faith in in your current surroundings? Because once once you've been in an experience like that, it's no. like it's like you know you're afraid of, of of who's next. What what's going on? Who are you? Are you part of them? And you're just disguised. Yeah, it's real tough, uh, you know, gaining back a trust of of things. And I've had a rough time with that. I I've just had to like detox and mm-hmm. talk about it. I think everybody's different. I, it took me years to really be able to trust things. And I still get flashbacks and I still have things, but now I recognize it more. And, um, you know, I certainly have, a you know, a spiritual life now. And, um, I have a community of friends and I'm doing things that give me meaning, you know, so. Do you keep a defrag journal or anything like that? Defrag meaning that you interview yourself to get that inner core to speak out and have a voice because that little monkey inside of us, that, that's a monster sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's a great thing. The book was. Yes. Writing the book was uh, that because I had to talk about not only the hell I went through, um, but I had to write about like what was good about it, mm-hmm, you know, cause mm-hmm. I was there for a while. And so these are conflicting things, you know, and it was tough to write about. It was easy to write about the bad stuff, but writing about the good stuff was tough Yeah, because I had to admit to myself that, you know, um, uh, you know, part of me liked it. Yeah, man, my God, I, I feel like that you, you, you are speaking what, what Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church was talking about yesterday in Psalm 128 when he said that just because you don't think it's a victory, that you're going through a storm, but from that storm, there's going to be a victory on this side. And, that, and that's what I see this book as, is that you are, you are speaking a truth that people are going to say, damn, that's me. That's me. I can grow from this. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, the first section of it is about the you know the storm i went through and the utter hopelessness i had and then the second half is where um i'm talking about the survival mm-hmm. and what i uh, found and my in my real friends and my real community and um for me it was a lot of uh therapy but it could be anything that really had my interest at heart and really took care of myself and I, you know, look, I, w- I don't wish it on anybody, but I'm definitely stronger for it. 
part of that and, survival, though. Yeah. I mean, that that requires what what I, I read during the lockdown as being what's called the Swedish clean uh, clean out. And and what that is is you you got to get rid of stuff. You've got to get rid of stuff because everywhere you go, oh my God, I buried something here. God dang, dude, how did you get through that? Yeah, that's right. It is a clean. It's like a detox. Yes. Right. Yeah. I I mean I had to just unlearn everything, and it was really just talking to talking to a therapist and and the writing of it also. Mm-hmm really uh, got it and I'm detoxing all the time you know I, I, I so get that I so and to me that is part uh, you know, the communication the journey forward and so it's like we're not gonna sit down and do an interview we're gonna sit down and have a conversation we're gonna we're gonna relate with each other and we're gonna take something from this and grow from it oh yeah it's a process mm-hmm. if you think you've arrived uh, <laughs> right? And no, you you can't and see that. And how do you handle people like that, where 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 they do think they've arrived, and you just kind of look at them, they go, "What's wrong?" No, I just, I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and listen to you. <laughs> you have I, no I, idea. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's a good uh, red flag when you're talking to somebody and they say they've arrived. You know, I, you know, you may want to run in the other direction. Have you done something? I mean, I, I think one of the craziest, most I, I I don't I don't want to call it stupid, but one of the weirdest things I've ever done yeah. was is is that I, I I don't because I'm in radio, I don't see real people. So I took out a job at a grocery store and became a leader there. I, I and to see people face to face is mind blowing to me. Did did you take a step away from what you know, what you already know, so that you could learn other ways to communicate with people? Oh yeah, I I knew this crazy. Uh, very isolated language, right? I mean, it was like radio in a way. I mean, you're kind of boxed in in this world. And then I had to relate to people um, that were not in this cult, you mm-hmm. know, that, and, and mind you, you know, and that was a totally different thing. But I want to uh, just stress here, I was not locked up on a commune or something. This was a group that met in Manhattan in, uh, in you know, secret lofts and want, we make, two nights a week for several hours and then we leave and go about our daily lives as you know doing this and that so although we were doing this and that and doing our daily lives our minds mm-hmm. were controlled by this group mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh oh my god and and I, I i'm sure spencer you're the type of person that took a lot of notes what did you do with those tablets uh-huh. When I left the group, I threw out most of them. Did you? Uh, because I just didn't want to know. But then, luckily, I found some, and I used a li- some of them for my book. But it was hard to go through them, uh, Arrow. It was very hard. Mm-hmm. It's very painful. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pain in there. Mm. Um, yeah, well, the, well, because I've been a daily writer for uh, for 28 years. One of the things that, that, that I, I tend to come up with words on how to describe the ink on a page, and and the ink and the tears when they mix, it becomes blood on a page. Do you did you go through that? Wow, I hope so. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's beautiful. I I hope I hope so. That's the goal, right? You want that that's how people will relate to it those are the best books that i've read right <laughs> yeah don't read my candle don't even jump into it because you're gonna go what really seriously oh my god dude <laughs> no i like it i like how you're talking i bet you i'd like how you write you you know you're very poetic and you know, and that's gotten me in a lot of trouble, Mister Lawyer. Because I'll, I'll tell you what's <laughs> because people don't understand the way that we write. And I bet you, you write the same way. And you've had an HR meeting every now and then, going, "What are you talking about, dude?" 
Listen, I had to unlearn uh, lawyer writing, which is like super duper <laughs> duper, like careful and you know what it's like. And I had to write like more like you probably write like more poetic and emotional stuff. But uh, hey, look, it's all about, I guess, um, I don't know. You're a communicator. It's like talking. Yeah. You know, it's just telling a story, right? You know? Well, and you do exactly that in Manhattan Manhattan Cult Story, is that it sounds like I'm sitting right there in the room with you, like we're having this conversation right now. And the greatest thing about this now is, is now I know the sound of your voice. So when I go back to those pages, I'm going to hear you and not the voice inside my head. Oh, that's great. Well, I could die and go to heaven now because those <laughs> are the nicest things I've heard. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I may have to get a tape of this so I could play for my mom. She'd be thrilled. Do, doing things for mom. Did you? I mean, did she ever look at you? Because I mean, you, being in a courtroom. Oh, yeah. I mean, once again, you are no different than a radio person. You have got to convince people that whatever is yep. moving is. It, it, you've got to get inside their head and heart and and get them to understand. That's right. Um, it's all about uh, uh, persuading mm -hmm. and. Um, and being uh, convincing. And uh, the only way to do that is to believe the story and to tell it. And that's why I, I'm not gonna represent anybody unless I believe uh, a part of what they're doing, you know? Um, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta, yeah, that's what it is. That's, those are the cases where you win. When you write a book, it, it takes so much from you. It becomes basically the soundtrack of your life. And you're, you're going to be able to, you know, in the future, you're going to go, oh, wow, 2020. Uh, yeah, that's when I was writing my book. All of a sudden, music is replaced by the words on a page. So the question would be, did your taste in music change while you were writing this book? Oh, boy. Um, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of music in the book. I mentioned a lot of uh, music in it. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I did. I listened to a lot of music when I was writing it. And I listened to a lot more um, classical music mm -hmm. uh, than I normally and I found it very, um, you know, I could hear the subtleties of it that <laughs> It's so yeah, true. Probably, it's yeah. so true. And th that's when I discovered frequency music on YouTube, where you can go and find the frequency. And then all of a sudden, whatever mood you want to be in, you can find that frequency music that'll put you there. Oh, I'm writing this down right now. I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, my God, dude. I, I call it head music because all of a sudden you're going, oh, wow. And and, and it's like, you know, I, I don't need to have uh, anything sugarized or anything like that. I'm just going to get into some frequency music. That's where I'm going uh, after this call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got to find it. I never heard of that. That's amazing. I mean, I've heard of ambient music, but, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if this sounds much cooler. I I... You know, I did listen to a lot of music. I like jazz. I li like rock. You know, I'm a musician also. So, uh, but like I say, the classical was great. And a lot of, um, a lot of Bach, actually. A lot of oh. those uh, cantatas, you know. Oh, well, Eddie Van... I don't Van know what people are saying, but I love it, you know. Eddie Van Halen said that Van Halen is nothing more than a glorified Bach. I mean, because he feels that they, they, they were just bringing his music forward. Hey, that's great. Whatever works. I mean, they were fantastic. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, so as jazz, they, they, let, let's talk about that, because I, I got into jazz really late in life. The the First to me, jazz right now is the new age of funk. It's also disco. And when you see someone like Lizzo releasing songs like About Damn Time and stuff like that, I feel like that jazz is about ready to have a new re rebirth here. Do you feel the same thing? 
Yeah, I mean, it's the, the thing is, it hasn't gone away, right? Right. You know, it's still there, and it's evolved, and it's always been, you know, relevant uh, to, uh, you know, like like remember that you know they had fusion with rock, and then, um, and then Miles changed it, and then there's you know, I mean, it's continuously evolving, and you could hear all kinds. You could hear traditional, and then stuff that's really out there. Mm-hmm. So, um. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I find more and more young people into it mm-hmm. and it's, you know, the platform's there. Yeah. So as a musician, one of the things that we, we do a, a, on a natural basis, and I think it's only because we piece music together, is that we listen beyond sound. Now that you have put words on a page, do you look beyond the words to see the deeper message? In, in music, you're saying? Music or and or writing, because you're a changed person. You're not the same person you were before you wrote this book. You, you are not the same person. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, I first of all, I have the sense of accomplishment. And I also have the sense that I'm able to write something that, you know, uh, people are interested in, you know, reading. And that's very, you know, humbling. I mean, it's, I find it amazing. But yeah, you got to get your head into this place where you hear every note and um, every word. And, you know, when you're on your 200th um you know, draft of the doc of the document of the I mean, you're going crazy. But and then you'll find a word that doesn't work. Right. You're like, oh my gosh, how did I oh how did I write that? And I was like, wait, no. And then, you know, and then I listen, you know, it's funny, I listen to music all the time. And I always, you know, and stuff I've heard a million times, like the Beatles or yeah. whatever, I'll hear something new and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That was that was like Paul McCartney's last book was based on the lyrics of the Beatles, and I and I and I and was going through it, going, no, no, that that's not what I thought you guys were singing about. Oh my God, no! I know, shocking. How about uh, what did he say? Good day, sunshine was about his love affair with pot. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well yeah and even when he when he wrote yesterday he called it scrambled eggs because the words yeah. just weren't there and it's like i mean even as writers and you know that when you sometimes all you have to do is just put down the rhythm of a thought and when you come back in the in, in the rewrite you're gonna you're, you're gonna change it and you you've got to make an agreement with that creative self and and sometimes that creative self doesn't like that idea uh, it, it's so it's so, that's a great example uh, because you know you write something that doesn't quite work and then it comes somehow that's the miracle of the creativity right that it's like you know maybe you'll have a piece of it and then it comes later on it's like <laughs> what explains that i you know right yeah you know he, yeah he had scrambled eggs that's what he had that was the name and then he's i think the words ca- the words came uh a while later yeah so did you have a wine glass moment while putting this together? And what I mean by that is, is that you had a little bit of wine or something to kind of just let go of the anxiety and you went in there and you did something that you would never do as that daily writer. Yes. Now, literally with wine glass or literally or something else. It oh, it, it, it could have been a shot of, of vodka. I mean, just something that were, okay, it, it, yeah, lo- yeah. It, lowered, it lowered your, your level of, of, oh, you know, the perfectionist. The perfectionist is never happy. Exactly. That's so, yeah, I, I would go for walks yes. or I'd go for a run or a good night's sleep um, or, you know, a, a, a tequila. And that would really, you know, my editor would say, boy, the stuff that you wrote was really good. Uh, it's a little, uh, 
the grammar isn't there, but the ideas are great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you know. during during those walks, I call them transition walks. It's it's like me, nature, and my dog beside me. Do you find yourself hearing things that, that you you have tuned out your entire life, and you're going, what what happened here? Why why did it take this moment to find? When those things come up, I'm more grateful mm -hmm. than kicking myself because, and and this is just with my old age, you know, because I've kicked myself too much, and now <laughs> hey, look, anything that's new, and this is something that like meditation showed me. Um, which is that if you, you know, uh, you got to get, you know, give yourself a break. But I do get these uh, uh, illuminations. Mm -hmm. you, um, you speak of meditation. I do Nidra. What do you do? Do you do uh, transcendental or? I, I, you know, what? I don't even know. What yeah. It's called. <laughs> as long as, as long as you do it, that's all that counts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like so basic. I mean, I've read a couple of books and I. I had a, a friend who was in it. We would just sit and focus on breathing yep. for, you know, uh, as long as we could. And, uh, you know, it's just as simple as that, you know, and uh, but it's not easy. I, I always like uh, I, I try to describe it to people as watch the movie uh, um, Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. And, and we all have those people that are walking with us. You just got to tell them to quiet down. Calm down. This is my moment, not yours. All right. That's another thing I'm writing down beautiful mind i mean yeah it it um yeah those voices you know that they're there all the time you know it's just a matter of uh just you know kind of tuning them out yeah, yeah. you know so, so. if you be, being a lawyer if would you ever put yourself on the stand to question yourself I've always wanted to ask a crime writer or something like, or, or even people who are in law, would you ever put yourself on the stand? You know, in a case that I'm working on or just ever Well, it's like, cause, cause I have a feeling you're, you're going to start writing murder mysteries. I just, I just have this feeling that, that this book is just oh. the opening door of something that's going to go on to be, you know, where you're going to have, you know, crime novels or be a spy novels or something like that. And so, and I know I'm going to ask that question to you again sometime in the future. I'm going to say, would you put yourself on the stand? Knowing what you know as a lawyer, would you put yourself on the stand if you had the information? Not if I did it. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, as an author, you already know the story. As readers, we do not. Now, that's interesting. That's very true. That's true. Um, and, you know, but it's funny because when you start writing, you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, because that becomes the addiction because you show up every day going, oh, where are we going today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and, and that is the addiction. And you got to and you and you do have to be addicted to it because it's a long haul. It's a long process. It's very it's very um, it could be very sad. I have, you know, every I was in a bookstore the other night talking to uh, and somebody was asking me about, like, you know, the loneliness and whatever. And I mm -hmm. said, there's not a single author and they'd be lying if they didn't say that they didn't hate what they wrote at some point during the process. <laughs> That's so There's true. No way. Now, now, when along the lines are you going to go back and read? Because I've, I've, I've had seven books. And when I go back and I kind of touch up, wow. I, I, I'm good for about maybe a page and a half. And then I go, I got to get out of here. And, and it's because you want to go back and correct it and correct it and correct it. And in, even though you can't because it's already published, you still want to correct it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I the best advice I got was, you know, just get it all out, yep. get it out and put your pen down 
and then you know you can go back and correct it but you have to have a finite amount of time as a lawyer i do it all the time the only reason that i have to stop at some point is because the deadlines come and you got to get into court yeah. You spoke my street there. You said put a pen down. I, I writing instruments are my weakness in life. Every book I write gets a new writing instrument. What did? Are you still using the same one? You know, I I I I actually bought a new laptop. That's oh, what I did. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I bought a cheapy laptop and just used it for the book. And you know, that's that was my gift. And yet, there's still a relationship there, Spencer. Every time you look at that, there's there's got to be some sort of relationship. I'm using it right now to talk to you. <laughs> See, that's the way you got it. That's what right. See, readers don't understand that journey with writers, man, and how we put things around us that that are part of the story. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. So I hadn't <laughs> thought about it. This is very educational. I'm learning a lot here. I'm learning, <laughs> well, I'm a lot. learning from you too. So now, this is are, really good. Do you go to podcasting? Is that your next step? Or are you going to turn this book into a feature on on Netflix or or uh, uh, Hulu? Well, there are uh, conversations about good. it hitting, um, uh, you know, like a, a streaming platform, but nothing uh, nothing has been set yet. But uh, there's a lot of interest in it, and. Um, you know, I, I if the more people that can get the story, the better. I think yep. that's for you know because I I have a mission here. Yeah, you have a calling, and you're you're actually you, and you picked up the phone, and you're actually doing what you've been what you're commanded to do. And I, I'm just so proud of you, Spencer, because this this is what it's all about sharing the story. Because Dolly Parton said, "Country music, all it is, is telling the next town over that some something happened in her town." I love Dolly. Yes, so do I. <laughs> Love her. Love her. <laughs> Dude, you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. I mean, if Joe Elliott from Def Leppard can be on this show nine times, so can you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Just you know, I, I'm there. I'll, I'll be there in a heartbeat. I love it. Well, man, I hope you enjoy your journey with all the people that you're talking with today because you're spreading the word. Thank you so much, Arrow. Really, a lot of fun. You bet. You be brilliant today, okay, sir? Thank you. <laughs> 